0: to approach these things is by saying, okay, what are the potential events that we're concerned with? What are uh, what is the likelihood of those events? And, and that's a qualitative assessment that needs to be done. What's the timing associated with that potential political event? And then what would the magnitude of that event be as it impacts sort of the financials of the firm? Now, in the case of Lumina Gold right now, you know, we're sort of looking again at this timeline that has been laid out by Ross Beatty uh, of 12 months. Now, let's say they don't get it sold this year. We've got to extend that again, probably another year. So we're looking at, you know, another 16 months from now.
1: Welcome back into Mining Stock Education. I'm your host, Bill Powers. Thank you for tuning in. Well, periodically, I invite fund manager Will Thompson from Massive Cap onto the show. His website is MassiveCap.com. Com. They are a fund in the resource space, and we've had Will on the show to discuss some of his stock analysis in the past uh, with Equinox Gold, for example. And he's been on the show to talk about various things as well, battery metals, uh, technology, and so forth. But today I asked him to come on the show to discuss his newest report, that is regarding Lumina Gold. He's going to walk us through why his fund decided to take a position in this stock, walk us through his due diligence process. Should note up front, I own Lumina Gold, and Will's fund, of course, owns Lumina Gold. Uh, Will does not have a financial relationship with Lumina. I do, however, in that they are a show sponsor and have been all of this year. So, Will, welcome back onto the show and thank you for joining me.
0: Uh, Thanks for having me, Bill. Always a pleasure to speak with you.
1: Well, Will, as I've gotten feedback about my sponsors from listeners, uh, when it comes to Lumina and Luminex, which we also feature, the two sister companies there, Luminex was a spin-out from Lumina Gold. uh, The main objection, or perhaps the only objection, honestly, that I've gotten is regarding Ecuador as a mining jurisdiction. Now, you've taken positions in some other South American uh, countries that some North American investors may may not be that particularly fond of, such as Colombia. You had a position in Continental Gold before it was taken out. But walk us through how you analyze Ecuador as a mining jurisdiction before you invested.
0: You know, especially with Lumina Gold, the first thing we have to recognize uh, is that you know, the management team wants to sell this asset. Uh, So as an equity investor who is very much, you know, invested in, uh, sort of an event-driven situation. Um, we probably shouldn't be thinking about the political risk exactly the same way we might think about, say, Lumina, if the management team was intent on developing the asset and holding it, you know, for the next fifteen, twenty years, however long the asset ends up uh, sort of producing gold for. It's a very different situation. Um, Ross Beatty is, of course, you know, sort of on the record as wanting to sell it this year, which you know, hey, it may, may happen, but but the year is coming to an end quite quickly. So we'll have to see. Um, but I think the way we tend to approach these things is by saying, okay, what are the potential events that we're concerned with? Um, what uh, What is the likelihood of those events? And, and that's a qualitative assessment that needs to be done. What's the timing associated with that potential political event? And then what would the magnitude of that event be on? Uh, as it impacts sort of the financials of the firm. Now, in the case of Lumina Gold right now, you know, we're sort of looking again at this timeline that has been laid out by Ross Beattie um, uh, of 12 months. Now, let's say they don't get it sold this year. We got to extend that again, probably another year. So we're looking at, um, you know, another 16 months from now. And so the events you're concerned with are obviously things like confiscation, uh, regulatory change, which I, I think is probably the one of the more significant sort of concerns for something like Lumina Gold, uh, and then sort of local social unrest, which, of course, we know uh, is is pretty common at mines in uh, South American countries. And of course, uh, we have several examples, um, some of which Ross Beatty is even involved with in the case of, say, Escobar, uh which Pan American Silver now owns. Um so, you know, that's the way we start. We say, these are the events that we're concerned with. Um, this is the political environment in which these events are occurring. And then one thing we do that we think is quite important is we say, who are the actors involved in this? Because political risks are always people risks. And a lot of times equity investors sort of miss that fact. Um, they turn to say, country risk reports that talk about the economy or uh, talk about, um, you know, sort of elections and aggregate. Uh, but what we're really concerned with is what are, who are the people involved and what are the incentives that those people have at the moment? Um, and, you know, with the sale of Lumina, um, we're looking at uh, the government of Ecuador and the various different political figures there. We're looking at the potential slate of buyers that the company might have and what their incentives are. And those are, those buyers are potentially open to this long tail uh, that we'd be concerned with if Lumina was a long term holder. Um, and then we're looking at the incentives of uh, the political figures in Ecuador. Uh, and from that perspective, you know, we've had the coronavirus uh, and we've had the fall in the price of oil and we have a dollarized economy in Ecuador. And sort of that combination of things uh, means that. Everyone in the government is very incentivized to continue to get the mining industry up and running, to continue to get a flow of dollars into the economy and to continue to sort of try and Rebound the economy from the shutdown associated with COVID uh, and from the fall in the price of oil. Um, And so, from our perspective, you know, again, we'd want to do a deeper analysis and think more thoroughly about it and perhaps apply more sort of risk uh, assumptions in our analysis if we were looking to be a long term holder. But as Lumina is looking to sell over the next 12 to say 24 months, uh, the political risks to someone like Lumina appear quite low. Um, and then for the buyers themselves, you've already had successful mines start up, and you've got lots of majors that are interested in the country. Uh, and so there is all the sort of indications, if you will, are there um, that mining firms think that there's a lot of opportunity here, uh, and that this is opportunity that needs to be pursued, uh, despite the fact that you know, there is perhaps a little bit of political diciness. Uh, and so they are ready to be buyers um, and are ready to absorb those risks. And, th- and that's what we as Illumina shareholders are are primarily concerned with at the moment. Are there buyers and are they willing to absorb the political risk?
1: This is truly a top tier asset in terms of size with 10.4 million gold ounces in the indicated category and another 6.7 million ounces of gold in the inferred, not even counting uh, copper. We're looking at about 2.2 billion pounds of copper. So it's a massive project. But if this project, being in Ecuador, was not in the hands of Ross Beatty and the Lumina Group, which does has a, have an excellent track record of success, would you have taken a look at it?
0: Yeah, I think um, th- this has the potential to be uh, a Tier 1 asset, um, depending on your definition, I guess, a, a of a Tier 1 asset. Um, but it, it certainly ranks up there regardless uh, of whether it actually qualifies as a Tier 1 asset in some people's minds or not. Um, so. There's no question that as resource investors, uh, we've got to take a look at it. I think that again, if if Lumino was looking to develop this asset, uh, we would still be watching it, um, especially sort of at these prices and where it is in its development cycle. Um, but uh, with the company looking to sell uh, again, the situation changes, and, and I, I can't emphasize enough um, how much that sort of event, if you will. Uh, changes the calculus of how you evaluate this asset. In in our opinion, really. um, the timeline is different. Uh, the funding needs are different because there aren't any, and so uh, it makes Lumina. Uh, much more attractive, if you will, at the moment um, uh, as an equity investment.
1: Do you, in your calculation, I know you do your own calculations, do you at all factor in the inferred gold ounces into your calculation?
0: Um, so again, if, if they were looking to develop, we would uh, consider it in some way. Um, but as they are not looking to develop, uh, we didn't consider them. And furthermore, I'd say, you know our conversation with management. They say, you know, look, it's it's highly unlikely we get more than a hundred percent premium, right, in the open market. We can think back to previous mining firms that might have paid hundred percent premiums uh, for assets, and and that usually goes wrong, both for the uh, the shareholders and the mining. So we're unlikely to get more than a hundred percent premium from some price. Uh, this asset, you don't even need to include the the inferred ounces to to get uh, valuations well in excess of 100% premium in the current market price. So it seemed uh, unnecessary, but that there is additional geological potential there is of course meaningful in the sale and in attracting buyers.
1: So did you invest more so because you feel like your downside is protected? Or because you feel like you're assured of the upside in the near term, let's say six to 12 months?
0: You know, with the price of gold where it is, um, and we don't actually make outright sort of commodity price uh, predictions, if you will. We, we like to invest in commodities uh, when we think we have a good idea of what the sort of path of least resistance is. Now, gold, whether the path of least resistance here is up or down, uh, I'm not really sure, but um, but that this is a tier one asset with a very firm catalyst uh, that is trading at a discount to its to to a reasonable valuation, um, you know that combination is what attracted us to it, uh, especially again in this gold price environment where. At least in our opinion, uh, some companies have gotten you know some very full valuations and we're sort of looking around for things to continue to do.
1: What were some of the key things in the PEA that was published this year that really stood out to you?
0: I mean, I, I think in general, the, the infrastructure in Ecuador uh, is quite good and, and sort of a, is a good setup, if you will, for a mining firm um, to go in and capitalize on an asset uh, the location, uh, of the congeros deposit, uh, is, is pretty good. It's, it's neither, you know, it, it's not in indigenous land. Uh, it's not on some sort of land that is culturally significant. It's not buried deep in the Amazon. Um, so the, just the, the overall potential for this to become a mine, um, is quite high. Uh, it's, you know, low grade bulk tonnage, but I don't actually think I, you know, when we spoke with management, they said they had a lot of people come back to them and press, press on the, the grade. Um, we don't actually think that grade is, is particularly, it's not particularly bad. Um, especially when you look at what some other comparables are. Now, this is not a high grade underground deposit like Fuerto del Norte, but it's a wonderful deposit and the grade is quite good. Um, in the grand scheme of things, especially given the sort of aggregate volume of gold that's there. And
1: how many other development companies do you have in your resource portfolio right now?
0: Well, we have a couple of companies that are producers that are developing assets also. Um, So at the moment, about 50% of our portfolio is allocated to mining firms, um, all of whom are at the very least, with the exception of one royalty company, are uh, at the very least building uh, a mine in addition to perhaps running one. Um, so w- we think mining at the moment, especially with the sort of outlook for electrification and decarbonization. So the need for things like copper, uh, and nickel, uh, is makes mining one of the more interesting sectors to be allocated to, uh, in the real asset sort of space.
1: Anything else you want to say about Lumina Gold here that we haven't covered?
0: At least in our opinion, especially with mining firms, um, your primary concern is always that you've got a management team that can uh, appropriately handle the problems that come up with running a mine. Political risk, by way of example, is a problem that always comes up. Um, It shouldn't be... One shouldn't think of political risk as something that may happen. Political risk is something that will happen. And so your question is, can this management deal with that problem? And our opinion of the Lumina management team and, of course, Ross Beattie in general, uh, is that this is a management team uh, and a board that is capable of addressing and handling the issues that come up with uh developing an asset in a place like ecuador
1: yeah that's excellent and the website for lumina gold if you want to check out the company yourself is luminagold.com. and because they are a show sponsor i'll put at least one link in the show notes below to previous interviews with management so you can hear management discuss the project and what they're trying to accomplish as well As always, Will, thanks for coming on today's show. Really appreciate you sharing uh, this stock profile.
0: Absolutely. Thanks, Bill.